0: Welcome to Irish Exit Everything. My name is Frank, and while I would typically start an episode by saying there's a lot happening in the world right now, in the country, the reverse of that is also true. There's a lot not happening. There's a lot of inaction. Roe v. Wade is not being codified. Gun control is not being legislated. The police are not protecting people. Price gouging or inflation is not being stopped. And the Republicans and the Democrats are not fighting for our interests. Call it what you want. The political establishment, the swamp, the ratchet effect, the two-party doom loop. I think it's pretty clear to folks, even people who don't talk politics, that the two-party system is not working for us. That's because both parties are controlled by corporate interests. Lobbying, broadly speaking, is any activity that influences the outcome of public policy. And corporations are spending billions of dollars every year to do just that, to influence political outcomes. And it's not just campaign contributions, although according to OpenSecrets.org, Super PACs spent over $2 billion during the 2020 election cycle. Now, campaign contributions get their foot in the door, but corporations are spending much more than that to get their perspectives, their priorities, their interests through the door and on the desk of your representative. And all of that undermines true democracy because you can't have a government of the people, of the majority of people, if the wealthy few at the top are pulling the strings. And I've said before, and I'm not the only one, that working class people need to utilize both protest and politics. If we're going to sustain any momentum for change, but that politics piece is pretty difficult when the two dominant parties are not working for us. So for the third episode in the exit strategy series, I'm going to be talking to Jared Budlong. He's an independent candidate running for the governor of Alabama, a deep red state. Here's our conversation. Jared, 100,000 welcomes to you. I know you have a very tight schedule, so I appreciate you coming onto the podcast.
1: And I thank you for inviting me and in full transparency for rescheduling when I needed you to. I appreciate
0: it. No worries. Yeah, full disclosure, I actually only invited you on because we have very similar logos as people with beards.
1: Yeah, no. So. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I've actually, so ironically, like when we, when my team designed this logo, um, I assumed that a few people probably had one, but I have seen so many since, since seeing it. And I can't remember the name of the, the psychological phenomenon where like you buy a new car you're like now you see that car everywhere it's it that happened with this logo too yes oh wow yeah it's everywhere but whatever it's there aren't there's only one other politician that i've seen doing it and they're out of a different state and mine's a state race so not worried about
0: it yeah which
1: that may have jumped the gun a little bit sorry
0: (laughs) oh no not at all um so yeah i guess we can jump right into it then um so your campaign website describes you as an independent fighting to increase the freedom for all residents of Alabama. Many may fight for the working class, but you are fighting for everyone, including those typically left out of the political discourse. And I want to start by unpacking that a little bit. Yeah. Um, Cause you say many may fight for the working class, but you fight for everyone, which is great. I have no reason to distrust that, but I would say that many claim to fight for the working class and I hope this doesn't seem standoffish or right off the bat, but uh, could you explain how you would be different?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, I don't disagree with your rebuttal of that statement. So right. um, I. I don't know those politicians personally. Uh, so I'm not gonna say they're not actually fighting it as an as individuals so as individuals they may be fighting for the working class like there are the, the Democrats that are running I, I know a few uh, not run none of the governor candidates but some of the local like House of Representative locations or uh, you know the various uh, Senate seats people that are running who are on the Democratic side they they do seem to be fighting for the the average working class class citizen. Um, So they, I'm not going to say that they're not. So, but what I will say is I'm trying to keep in mind a lot of people that aren't thought about in those conversations, whether they're working class or not, but it's, you know, uh, groups like atheists or uh, pagans, or we could talk about the disability community who, you know, they are, some of them are by default, literally not in the working class because they can't. Um, let's talk about children. Like they're, they're all, or shouldn't be in the working class, right? We have most, we have some laws that keep that from happening. Uh, so it's, I'm trying to let people know that it is all inclusive and I've gotten some pushback where, Hey, you're not being descriptive enough. And my pushback for those people specifically has been, Hey, If I try to be descriptive and include everybody, I will exclude someone. Like, I will forget about one group. And, like, rather than say I'm fighting for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, V, X, Y, Z, and miss one person, one group, like, I would rather say, hey, I literally am here for, like, for everyone in the state. Because I'm actually fighting... I'm fighting for the betterment of all of the people that live in the state, even the ones who don't think they need help, because they're, they are negatively impacted by the same things that the working class and the groups who are disabled, uh, all of those people who we generally think are negatively impacted by laws, everyone technically is. So like, we're a society, we're, we all influence each other. So if we want to talk about, uh, this is jumping straight into stuff, but we will talk about crime rates, right? So we're talking about laws that negatively affect impoverished people because they end up committing crimes. Generally speaking, they commit crimes uh, like theft because they don't have enough. They're not doing it for kicks and giggles most of the time. Uh, They're doing it because they're impoverished, so they're trying to make ends meet. So they steal stuff to sell it and then hopefully pay for baby formula if it's available. And the the gun and the gut reaction for most people was like oh yeah like those laws are you know they're they are negatively impacting those groups and i'm like yeah but like who are they stealing from like who you know who ends up being held at gunpoint if if it comes to that like they're it affects everybody uh we just don't think about it that way so you know i'm not i don't want to exclude anyone they can exclude themselves if they don't if they want to but i don't want to exclude anybody from improving your their lives
0: that's great and uh we could talk for hours and hours about what's crime, like what's considered a crime and like the different levels of crime. Uh, so we I'll won't st- really get into that right now.
1: I'll say, I'll say it this way. We are all one law away from being criminals. And that's, everyone needs to think about that phrase really long and hard. Uh, cause it's, it's true. So,
0: right. It, uh, one thing I'll say is though, if you're just trying to survive, then that doesn't make you a criminal, I would say,
1: uh, uh I, I would say it doesn't make you immoral it definitely does make you a criminal in some cases like i that's society has d de- society has deemed certain things to be crimes and if you do them you are technically a criminal uh i don't think that that makes you a bad person or mm-hmm. immoral like you are right. literally trying to to make ends meet and survive like i i'm not judging people for that
0: criminal criminal by technicalities we'll, we'll say that for sure yeah. yeah um but you mentioned uh democrats um yeah. And. I would say historically, many progressive leftist, whatever candidates um, have chosen to run as Democrats, um, hoping to make change from within that establishment. I think AOC and Bernie are probably the the best examples of that. Um, But you didn't do that. You're running as an independent. So could you explain why?
1: yeah there's two main reasons uh the first one is a technical reason when i ended up deciding to run it was in february of 2022 so you know not too terribly long ago and the cutoff was something like november of 2021 so like even if i had wanted to run as either party the cutoff to submit myself as one of those or into one of those parties for consideration to then go through the primary process was passed uh there was no There's no way for me to to do that if I had wanted to. And the follow-up to that is that I don't want to. Uh, Republican Party, if you are listening to a progressive podcast, I think you understand why. Just, I don't think that that's worth associating myself with. Um, On the Democratic side, nationally, um, that party has not effected change for everyday people. Um, When they have, they have done so in a way that seems like collateral, like not not the intent, but it was, you know, this happened to serve the, the party or the people who are in power in that party and it happened to do some good for uh, the, the everyday citizen, but it doesn't seem like they want to affect real change. And the my understanding is that that trickles down, uh, downstream. So for the state party, um, I don't see a whole lot of things happening. And, you know, the pushback I've gotten from some people in the, the Democratic Party is like, hey, you should run with us. Like, we'd, we'd accept you. Like, it wouldn't be a big issue. And I'm like, okay, but why should I? And like, well, you would get funding. And I'm like, so everybody gets money? like, well, no, not everybody gets money. And I'm like, well, then, wh- like, literally, why would I? And like, well, you would have a D next year. And I'm like, okay. Like, some people literally wouldn't vote for me because of that. Like, they, they literally would go, no. And I'm not even talking about Republicans, like there are other people, we have a third of our state, we're jumping topics a little bit, we have a third of our state who didn't vote in the last election, the the presidential election of 2020, over a third of our state didn't vote in the election, like they just, it was over um, over 1.3 million, I don't remember the exact number offhand, but like 1.3 million people, registered voters, not just taking the total state population, but of registered voters. A third of them didn't vote in the 2020 election, and like, if you've been paying attention, it was a pretty contentious, like, high turnout election. And I, have, of recent elections, it was one of the more high turnout elections, and it was still a third of the the population registered to vote that didn't. Uh, so my this all ties back together. My uh, I'm going to call it a presumption, Uh, let's say a hypothesis, because I'm informing it based off of what I know, that a large chunk of, if not all of that third, who still are registered and aren't dead, uh, don't vote because they don't like either side and don't feel like their their vote would make a, a difference. So those are the people I'm after. I'm not here to take people from the Democratic Party. Some people are interested, and that's great. I'm not here to take people from the re- Republican Party. Like if you're a, if you're voting Republican. Um because of how much time i don't have i don't have time to convince you to try and vote for someone else like if you want to i will take your vote but like i'm not here to convince you not to vote for the republican uh candidate for governor like i just if you're willing to do that i we're not on the same page like even Mm -hmm. remotely like so like i don't i don't have time to argue with that but i would love to talk to the other third of our state who doesn't vote like that's those are the people that i want i want to vote Um, yeah and it you know the the pushback is typically the well you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spoil the vote you're gonna split the Democratic ticket, whatever else. And it's like, look, I'm not looking to split your your party's votes. Um, if your party votes are split because I'm in the race, your party's not doing a good job. Like they they aren't representing the people well. So that's their fault, not mine. And I'm not even asking for their vote. Like I literally, I've, the whole time I've said, I want to talk to those third, third of people, um, all the people that don't feel heard. Like if you don't feel represented by our options, like I didn't, let's talk. Like if you already feel represented, vote for your person. Like I, I literally, no matter the outcome, if we have a higher voter turnout at the end of this election, we will have a better idea of what the people in the state actually want. And if that happens to be what I'm promoting, great. If it's not, then, you know, I, I hate that. <laughs> but at least we know what our state actually wants. Because there's there are more people in that third uh, than voted for either party in the last election. So I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's say it was 950,000 in the Republican side, 560-ish thousand on the Democratic side, and then 1.3 million that just didn't vote at all. And it's like like
0: that's significant
1: that's a large chunk of people who aren't even participating so like that's that's my problem with the way our state is is voting currently um there it's literally not a a majority representation Uh, and that's that's a problem with the way we do votes so i don't know if we get into that or not but that's you know it's a it's something that we can change right now anyway but you know the fact that we have a uh, winner takes all whoever gets you know whoever gets the most out of the two options um what's it called uh, we just we just looked at these the other day i can't remember the name of it but it's first past the goal post i think is the the phrase that some people use for that type of voting um but yeah that eventually uh, statistically will lead to two parties and just turn into this back and forth battle. Um, maybe not every year, you know, especially in our state, but it's a back and forth battle between two parties, even though a large portion of the, the voting population doesn't fully agree with either. So, but, yeah. uh, m- my, my argument goes back to, uh, sure <clears throat> it's a back and forth between two and that's the, the, the stats that they're always using is like 51 to 49, 49 to 51, like back and forth, back and forth and. It's it's a very narrowed view in my perspective because they're looking at just the votes that are cast, not the total allotment. And that's where I'm focused. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, uh, even if our race race was 49 to 51, there's still a large chunk that didn't even vote. And then maybe some of those 49 to 51s would, would come over. But even if they, none of them came over and everyone else voted, we'd have a much better idea. So,
0: Right. Yeah, like I said, that is a significant amount of people who did not vote And I didn't know that. And as you're saying, like, it's a two party doom loop. And even saying two party is kind of a misnomer because there are third parties, but it's because it's the winner take all system. Like you were saying, like they try to absorb anyone who might take votes away from them. And like, I was very surprised to hear that you said that the Democrats approached you very early on. And it wasn't because of your platform or anything like that. It's because they didn't want you to take votes away from them, uh, which is very telling.
1: To clarify, it wasn't necessarily the party. It was some people inside of the party, not acting on behalf of the party, but it was more, hey, why wouldn't you run with us? And my, my initial answer was actually like, I don't want to be beholden on what the party says I can and can't say. Uh, And they're like, well, that wouldn't happen. I'm like, "All right, we shouldn't be killing the nearly 200 people that are on death row right now. And they're like, well, you know, that's not a, that, you know, that's not their focus. I'm like, okay, well, that's part of mine. Like that's like it's weird that it isn't a part of theirs. <laughs> like we still have the death penalty. Uh, there's actually like 27 states in the U S who do, and we're one of them, but we have hundred and on paper, we have 168 ish on death row. Uh, and someone I spoke who spoke to, who was familiar with the matter. <laughs> so to speak, uh, said, yeah, those stats aren't wrong. It's higher. And I'm like, well, either way, like, even if it's 150, like, I don't, I don't care. We have someone who's been on death row in our state longer than I've been alive like 1982 is when this person ended up on death row and has been sitting there on death row for that long. And that is unacceptable. Um, The fact that no one running for office is saying that is problematic for me. Um, You know, I just, I can't, they can say whatever they want about wanting to reform criminal justice, but if you're not going to call out some of the the atrocious things our state is doing, then, you know, I, I feel like you either don't care or someone else has convinced you not to say the, the hard parts out loud. And, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a false, um, a false dichotomy of mine, but that's, that's how I feel. And to have somebody reply back with, you know, well, they've got, they've got other things that they would rather present. And I'm like, okay, well like how about ending prison slavery? Like nobody's saying that one either. Like, Our entire systems make the entire prison system is designed to bring people in and make more money and that's why we're 186 ish percent to capacity and we want to spend 600 million dollars on a new prison facility rather than trying to find ways of not putting more people in prison
0: three more facilities right
1: uh it was supposed to be three and the the original contractors backed out and then most recently we signed a contract for a facility Spending over six hundred million in Elmore County, I believe, is the, the location. That's within the last month when that got um, got announced. So, hmm. uh, fingers crossed that'll back, they'll back out of that too because of public outcry. Right. Uh, but uh, for anybody who isn't aware, uh, we allocated twenty percent of our COVID relief funds from the federal government on new prisons. So our state said, hey, twenty percent of those that funding that should go towards helping people during a pandemic. Uh, let's spend that on building new prisons. And when everyone, uh, who heard about it said, Whoa, like that's, that doesn't seem right. Like how, why are you, why are you, how can you do this? And they're like, well, there's a part of the, there's a part of the allocations that's used for lost revenue. So we're going to use that part.
0: Yeah, I think it was, um, either the treasury department or the justice department, like investigated the use of COVID funds. And they said, while, while it's not like the best use of the funds, like they're not going to stop them from constructing the facility using that.
1: They, uh, they said we, the way it's written, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, but it's also, we're not going to do anything to stop it is, is effectively how that, that turned out. And you know, that sure, (laughs) not a surprise. Uh, I mean, we, we haven't, I don't know, there's a lot of atrocious things that our state does that nobody steps in for. So with like our our Department of Corrections, the whole prison system is under investigation by the Department of Justice for the uh, rate of death, the violence that occurs in the prisons, uh, you know, homicides, COVID um, COVID deaths specifically, but like murders, like all that stuff that happens in prisons is so bad that the Department of Justice was like, N- you guys have to fix this. Like you and they, <laughs> I just found out recently, there's a podcast called deliberate indifference, uh, put out by a radio show in, uh, Birmingham. And they are, they mentioned in the second episode that this is the second time that this has happened. And in the seventies, literally our prison system was taken over by the federal government because we weren't fixing the problems that we had. Uh, like the judge was like, Hey, you have to fix this. We didn't. And they the the federal judge was like, okay, fine. Like we are taking control then. Like you're not going to fix it, so we are stepping in. Um, it sounds like the laws have changed since then, so they can't step in and, and actually take over. So you know, it's up to our state to actually fix our issues, which I think is a um, to an extent makes sense. Uh, but if we're not going to fix them, like there has to be some way to prevent that because it doesn't look like anybody wants to, including. The Democrats, Let like, nobody's saying it out loud. Like they say when they, they want to reform prisons, but they don't say like, they don't say we want to end the slavery aspect. There's like, you know, we want to, we want to get, you know, less people from drugs inside prisons and we want to, you know, treat the prisoners better. And, and I'm like, okay, but like, maybe we should be putting just less people in it as a whole, like just <laughs> wholesale. Like we should be finding right. a way to solve um, the phrase that I've heard I can't remember the website, so I can't give them credit, but they, they call it reducing societal harms. And that isn't just the, the theft, right? It is, it is also the person who goes into jail is now pulled away from their family and not able to support their family. So, you know, let's say it's a, a single income family. Let's say it's a mom who has two kids and the dad was supporting everybody through theft or whatever. Maybe that was a, you know, a side hustle, so to speak. Uh, but that one person was responsible for the the income of the family and they are now in prison for two five ten you know whatever years you are now impacting the the significant other and the kids by pulling that person out rather than saying hey instead of spending 80 something something dollars a day to keep them housed in prison maybe we should find a way to lift them out of poverty so they don't feel like they have to steal like there's there's a backwards mentality that we've been as and it's not just our state i'm fully aware of that but we've been ingrained with this idea that punitive punishment helps to the point where our country again not just alabama but our country has i think it's 25 percent of the world's prison population uh, and we only account for a four percent of the world's population and that is a that is a discrepancy that we all should be looking at heavily if if our systems work why do we have more people in prison like in, if if the point of prison is to prevent crime why we, we, why do we end up having more prisoners like it's it's not doing what we are what we as a, a general populace some of us have clued into the fact that it's not about that but the general populace thinks it's there to solve uh the problem of crime and it's it's not so um, right. we have to rethink that entire system
0: yeah, punishment is a, a vicious cycle. And I agree with everything you just said there. There are a lot of atrocities, not only in the in the country, but in this in the state. And like someone like you is trying to tackle those atrocities. Um, while the, the Democrats, the, the party of empty promises, uh, like you said, they would rather focus on other things, um, which is really unfortunate. So what's the, the campaign process been like as an independent candidate? Um I'm assuming there's been a lot of hurdles, uh, especially since, um, you know, the two party system is dominated by the Democrats and Republicans.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 tough on every angle for where it has been tough on every angle for me because a I joined super late in the race. Fully understand that I jumped in in February and people have been working on their campaign officially for, you know, like two years. Right. So they've probably been most of them have been building up uh, smaller positions in government and everything else, not all of them, but one of the major, one of the major candidates, um, I think is just coming out of the education system. Like they're, I don't, I don't believe they have a history of government office. I don't remember seeing anything in their bio about it. So, uh, not, um, not uncommon, but me being an independent and having no prior, uh, political experience outside of being in the system that's affected by, or in the group of people that politics affects, right? And being on the the voting side of it. um, It's been tough. So we, you know, getting started late means uh, no no funding to start with, because it was kind of a, the system's worse than I ever imagined. No one's saying anything. So something in my head clicked and said, somebody has to. And then I was approached by um, a creator on TikTok who's running for President in 2024, and they basically offered to help kickstart my campaign—not kickstart, like literally Kickstarter—but just help get me started. And I, it originally started like, "Hey, what could you run for?" And I said, "Well, there's nothing. I've looked, and there's nothing on in my local area." So I was looking for, you know, the the stereotypical, like, "All right, well, I'm going to get started in politics. Let me look at school board. Let me look at, you know, such and such." And nothing that was available this election fit the two criteria that I would agree to run for, which is something that I think I'd be good at, but then also something that would make immediate change. So school board was my first thought, because like the whole mask situation, we had people, you know, it was, we had that happening here. And I was like, all right, we're run for school board. Well, my county isn't up for election this year, it's in two years. So I was like, all right, well, that's not it. And then I started looking at other positions and nothing nothing stood out as something that I thought I would be good at and would make, make an actual immediate change. Because I saw urgency, um, not something that needs to be planned for. Like, this hasn't been my lifelong goal to get into politics and become a politician. I saw an immediate threat and an immediate problem, and or several, but, you know, several of them. And the only one that uh, seems to work out is uh, governor. And that was at the, at the behest of uh, Jasmine, who was the, the candidate running for 2024. Because, you know, I made all the excuses, nothing local, nothing local, I didn't fit, whatever. And they replied back with, well, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a uh, midterm election, so like your position for governor should be up. And I went, yeah, I mean, I guess, but like, random guy from Daphne, like I have no, like I like I don't even, I, what? <laughs> and they they said like if you don't, like who is? And I, you know that's, I was like, yeah, no, you you have a very good point. No one running. I didn't want to vote for anybody running, and I you know, still don't. But um, outside of myself but uh that that whole thing getting into it in that way pretty much every hurdle is in was put in front of me Uh, some of them that were behind me that i just plowed through and tripped over but you know we're pretty much every hurdle you can think of is there so whether it's financial if it's uh, volunteer work if it's uh, just quote-unquote brand recognition uh if it's uh, you know, getting my name on the ballot was, a uh, you know, one of the biggest hurdles. Our state requires, um, they request physical paper petitions and they want a third of the previous elections, registered voters. Hold on. Is that, I want to make sure I'm saying that the right way. I want to say it's a, th- a third of the pe- previous number of people who voted. I, I'm trying to remember the, the verbiage they use on the website, but it totals, it changes every election. The point is, this election it's about fifty-two thousand people, so they wanted fifty-two thousand wet signatures to be turned in uh, May twenty-fourth, which that has come and passed. But I started in February, so like I had a very short period of time to try and get a very large number of signatures. Uh, and you know, I did my best. We we got out to a bunch of people, didn't make the goal, so now we're we're going to do a write-in campaign, which makes it you know that much harder. But as I've told everybody who who has engaged with me on social media, especially those who don't feel heard, uh, you know, they they asked. They were like, hey, you know, it's coming up in May 24th and like, you know, you need a lot of signatures. What are you gonna do after May 24th if you don't have enough? And I was like, I have no plans on stopping. Like you, I'm in a privileged position where politics hasn't affected me as much as other groups of people in our state. And I'm aware of that. And now that I, now that I'm aware of how bad it is affecting other parts of our state, uh I can't I can't give up halfway through so I'm here still going to be pushing for it in fact this the fact that I don't have my name on the ballot has given me a almost taken a a slight burden off of my shoulders knowing that I now need to get my name out to more people which is giving me the freedom to say some of the really hard parts out loud like hey, our state is full of white supremacy. Like, And that's not just our state, but like, our state is not immune to that. We have a white su- supremacy problem. We have a slavery problem in the prison system. Like, We have a very large problem with uh, the school to prison pipeline. Like, There is a very big problem in our state that no one wants to say out loud. And now I can, A, because I'm not in a party and I don't have to worry about whether or not they want me to say those things specifically. But also, I've got to get my name out there, so I've got to be able to. I can say some of the really hard, hard things that will get people talking. So, those are very long-winded answer to your question.
0: Oh no, not at all. Um, Yeah, the the system is clearly set up for you to fail, for all independent candidates to fail, even for third parties to fail. Um, So.
1: Yeah, for the for the record, it's not just independents. Any third party who wants to be on the ballot has to follow that same protocol. So the um, while I don't plan on voting for any of their candidates, um, I'm I'm happy that the Libertarian Party is confident they'll be on the ballot. So they 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 gathered enough signatures where they are confident the state is not going to invalidate any or not going to invalidate enough to bring them below the threshold. Um, Because ironically, not ironically, it's it's a fair warning to give people when you're collecting paper signatures that in the paperwork, hey, you have to collect this number. Like this is the number you have to have that's valid. It's 51,600 and some odd number, whatever it is. But I say 52,000. You need this number and like the next sentence is collect a lot more because a lot will be invalidated <laughs> like they're like hey we're going to invalidate some and they're they give a valid reason people's signatures don't what's on file they've changed addresses and whatever address they have uh the state has on file doesn't match the address they're at right now so you know it doesn't look like it's the right person they can't find the signature because the name and the address doesn't show up in their their d- database or whatever it is um it's not a it's not an inaccurate statement Uh, I understand why they say it but it's also like hint hint wink wink like get a ton because we can invalidate kind of however and and whatever we want Um, and the the rules for how they process the petition signatures is kind of up to the state the only requirement is that they have to treat all petitions the same so if they get four different petitions they have to handle them all the same Uh, they could verify all 100 percent or they could spot check or they could do whatever they want it's really up to them every year as long as they treat all of them the same so anyway it's not just independence it's anybody who isn't a democrat or republican who wants their name on the ballot printed on the ballot gotcha so,
0: and so what's our exit strategy then because like there sounds like there's a lot of technicalities to make sure that everyone who's not in a party fails and the two parties uh to fail so what are your thoughts on moving past this two-party system is it possible um and if so what's our strategy
1: I don't remember which meeting it was. We were talking about election types, or uh, you know, voting, voting counting, vote counting types, measurements. Not good with words right now. That's all right. Uh, but so we talked about first past the poll, uh, which is what we do here, where you know you just whoever gets past a certain mark, uh, you know, wins. Whoever gets the the majority, but it's you only get to pick one. Uh, and then we looked at a couple others, and I think the one we've all landed on so far is. Uh, approval-based voting. So you get an entire list of options and you can vote for however many you want. So you don't have to vote for all of them, but you can say, hey, uh, yeah, I want that. I, would, I wouldn't I would mind if that person won. I wouldn't mind if that person won. I wouldn't mind if that person won. And it takes kind of the, it takes the pressure off of picking like your choice and some of the other options like rank choice voting now uh, we looked at that also if you're not familiar rank choice is basically i want you know i want jared first and if jared doesn't win i want joe and if joe doesn't win i want kate and if kate doesn't win i want you know so and so and we opted away from that at, at the end of the meeting at least we opted away from that because of the extra mental gymnastics that you have to do to pick who you want first when you could just skip all of that and just say like i don't care any of these are fine where, you know, it has some downsides where you're not necessarily picking who gets your vote first. We also understand how hard it is for some people to pick between two options right now <laughs> and trying to rank op- options. The The gut feeling we got was like, hey, just let people pick all of the options they would be okay with. And if that ends up being two, then, you know, pick two out of however many there are. Uh, but that's, that's kind of where we we laid down and we we as a group like that that type of mechanism um so if we can implement that that would be that's that's what we're leaning towards at least we don't have an official we don't have an official stance
0: yeah there's a lot of different mechanisms that we can try and we should experiment with as many as possible jared it's been a pleasure chatting with you uh you've got a long road ahead of you until november uh, but you're not in this alone you've got many other people in the state and uh together we can win a better future for everyone so thanks for your time
1: That's the plan. Appreciate it. Thank you.